you, you want to see something really scary? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome everybody to Black Track. What is this? October on the four. Yes, of, of 2019. This is off to a great start. Uh, I got vacation brain. I'm, not, I'm, I'm off my game right now. Yeah, we are coming to you live from Alhambra, California, from our our beautiful Airbnb room in somebody's house with people in the next room over. Yeah, so I feel like we can't be as Boisterous is oh, I'm gonna, there. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it. I'm not gonna ever gonna see them again. Fuck them. <laughs> uh, so, how you doing, Taylor? Doing pretty good. Yeah, what you been up to? Uh, well, I went on vacation. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we've been down here, what, three days now? Yeah, this uh, is day four. Yeah. Um, Hit up Universal Studios first night, went to Halloween Horror Nights with uh, our good buddy Kevin Nesgoda. Um... That was a lot of fun. We didn't get to do a lot of the, the bigger mazes. We didn't get to do the Us maze or the Stranger Things maze because the lines were like minimum 100 minutes. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I've, I've been there before for Halloween Horror Nights and something that I wish we could have done, but we just, we wouldn't have been able to was when I went with my wife, we got... Um, the kind of the split day night tickets. Yeah. So we got to go in at two, like, I think it was like 2 PM. <laughs> so we were already in the park when they already, when they switched over to, um, the horror nights theme. And, uh, we were kind of in like prime place to start Just getting get in line right away. Yeah. Um, but you know, because, so our flight didn't land until five thirty. Five thirty. And then we had to go, you know, the whole air, airport thing. We had to go get our baggage. We had to go, we had to take a shuttle to the rental car place. Um, and and that took forever. Yeah. And then, you know, you know, people talk about LA traffic and they're not blowing smoke. LA traffic is awful. Like almost 24 hours a day, depending on where you're going. Um, and so, I mean, LAX is... <clears throat> Uh, about an hour away from Universal Studios, so it took us every bit of that to get there. And yeah, but by the time we got there, it was a little after eight, right? Sounds about right, yeah. And it was fine. I mean, it wasn't. We weren't like elbow, you know, elbow to elbow with everybody, but it was still really crowded. Yeah, it was. And it's just like. It was detrimental. It was detrimental to the experience because it was too crowded. Yeah. It's like, for a special event like that, they need... I feel like they really need to limit the the tickets more. Like, so it's just... It's not so crowded like yeah. that. Because, you know, it, they're, they're not cheap tickets. Right. So you go in, 
and you you have to stand or you have to waste most of your night standing in line. Yeah, there's only you know what six mazes or something, and then there's four rides open, and that's it. And mm-hmm. you're basically having the amount of people that go into Universal Studios every day. Yeah. Confined to these, you know, less than 10 events. Yeah. And, you know, it's Universal Studios. So there is a bunch of, like, backlot stuff that you can see. And, you know, what really pissed me off was that they, uh, they put this... They put the Us Maze and Pandora's Box, which I still don't understand. That was so disorienting and, like, jumbled. It was very, like, Egyptian-themed, which I didn't get. Like, there was a lot of, like, um, like sarcophagi and, like, mummies and stuff jumping out. And I was like, what does this have to do with Pandora's box? It was really just all over the place. But because those were there, they weren't doing... It was, like, right where the tram is. And when I went last time, there was the terror tram, which I think they do most years. Um, but that is, you know, they'll take you around and the tram itself is an attraction because, they're, you know, they're you know, walkers kind of, or, you know, lurkers or whatever they want to call them, kind of walking around the path of the, of the tram. And then we actually were able to get off at one point and just start walking because there were two more mazes in the back. Um, but we got to go walk through, um, or not inside, but walk past uh, the Bates Motel and the Psycho House, or, you know, the Bates House on the hill. Um, we had to, you know, go up on the, actual porch of the Bates house and take a picture with Norman Bates, you know. Um, and then, you know, like the set for the good places up there and um, the uh, the plane crash scene from uh, War of the Worlds and other things. Uh, it, it, it's the same. It's just, it's a static set. It's just, it's a scene of a plane crash that's just there. Um it's been used in several TV or several movies and TV shows. Um, I can't remember what, but anyway, that's all up there, and we couldn't see any of it. Yeah. They wouldn't let us go up there, so that was fucked up. Like, how can you not let people go to the haunted house or the, the, the psycho house on Halloween? Yeah, that seems like such a uh, such a dropped ball there. Fucked up. But we did do a couple of the mazes. We did do the Pandora's box one. Um, what other one? Oh, we did House of Thousand Corpses. Walking Dead. Yeah, the Walking Dead experience. And then we also went on the, the Lost World ride and just got fucking soaked. Oh, it got so wet. <laughs> Jesus. Like, like immediately. Like, as soon as you come around the first corner, the dinosaur, like, flips his tail and this big gush of water just lands yeah. right on top of you. Like, uh, uh, when I went there last time, it was still the Jurassic Park ride. Um, and they changed it a little bit. I mean, a lot of like the big things in it were still pretty much the same, just kind of dressed up differently. But like that part was new, so I wasn't expecting that. So we were standing in line. We were supposed to stand in line for half an hour, and we were there for over an hour. Yeah, the ride broke down while we were in line. <laughs> yeah, and like their fucking <laughs> line estimates were bullshit anyway. Um, the rest of the night though, they were in our favor at least. Yeah. Yeah, which is a little upsetting because it was so, dis- like, they were discouraging, you know? Yeah. But I remember we got in the Jurassic World line, and Kevin's like, does this ride, I mean, you get splashed a lot, you're, or are we going to get really wet? And I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, you get, you get splashed, but you're not soaked. 
I was fucking drunk. <laughs> um, anyway, but uh, yeah, yesterday we went to the I Like Scary Movies experience. That was pretty sweet. That was very cool. Um, yeah, I'm glad we got an opportunity to be down here while that was still running. Yeah. Um, yeah, I highly recommend. Yeah, I, I think it's running until sometime in November. Um, and then I think their plan is to take it on tour. Exactly where, I don't know. But um, yeah, if you have the opportunity, it's, it's a big recommend from us. Um, and then last night it was pretty sweet. We met up with uh, our friend Roddy Angel. He lives down here. And... Uh, so the, the the Myers house, the original Myers house, was picked up off of its foundation and moved into South Pasadena, um, and now it's, it's an office building. I think like there's a doctor in there or yeah. something like that. But right behind the Myers house, there's this art gallery. It's also blue now. Yeah, yeah, it's blue and red. Um, and but yeah, right behind the house, there's this art gallery uh, called uh, the Sugar Sugarment. They were showing a special screening of the extended cut of the original uh, uh, Halloween. So we it, it was it was nice being here, you know, in, in Southern California where it's October and it's still really nice outside. It's like we could never do that at home. Yeah. Um, it would be freezing. Yeah. Or it would be, you know, or it'd be rain. rain. Yeah. Which, like it is now, apparently. But um, we'd have to... We sat out back. Um, they had all this kind of fake grass laid out. Um, and it had a projector set up. It Yeah, we just watched Halloween under the, under the stars. That was fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so tonight we're going to Dark Harbor uh, down at the Queen Mary. And then uh, Monday and Tuesday, we're going to Disneyland. So, still got a lot of stuff ahead of us. Tuesday is the Halloween party. Right. So, that should be exciting. And, yeah, we're, we're taking pictures and videos, and we've been posting some. But I was telling you yesterday, it's just like, it's such a burden to like take pictures and take videos and then immediately have to post them. And well, Especially when you're doing something like I like scary movies where you're like, you know, going through the exhibit and you don't want to be standing there on your phone. Exactly. So we'll probably just do a big old photo dump. I don't know. At some point. I mean, whether it's in you know the next couple of days or when we get back, I don't know. But so we are documenting our trip down here. Yeah. Just keep an eye on our website and our socials. Anyway, so uh, this is episode four of Octoberama. Um, this is going to be Week of the Lady Killer. That's the Lady Killer. Yeah, as in female killers. Yeah, killer ladies. Yes. Um, this was our Patreon pick. Yep. Our, our um, yeah, we set it out to our, our patrons to pick what we were going to do this week and. That was, I, th- I think we, of, of the ones that were submitted, we just kind of... We drew, just kind of picked it. Yeah, I thought we just kind of drew it at random. But whether, however we arrived here, we're, we're here now. Yeah. And so we picked uh, All the Boys Love Mandy Lane and May. Um, and speaking of our Patreon patrons, over on Patreon, we have our grave diggers that help support this show financially and, you know... Emotionally, 
Um, they give us a reason to keep on plugging. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Those people are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, The Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and Aaron Meyer. Thank you so much, guys, for all your horror... Uh, your, your horror? I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but all your all your help and support, uh, it really means a lot. It goes a long way. Uh, our show doesn't cost a lot to make, um, but we do have costs that... You know, it's it's nice to have that little, you know, backup fund when things go to shit. Yeah, we've said before too that like all the money goes back into the show. This isn't going into our our bank accounts. It's not paying for our vacations. Um, it's <clears throat> going right back into the show. You know, including the the Great Plot Film Fest. You know, a lot of that money is coming from Patreon. Um, speaking of submissions, are still open for the end of the month, and our Indiegogo is now up. So right. while while we're asking for money. Uh, <laughs> head on over to indiegogo.com slash at slash gpff2020 yes uh, yeah I mean uh, something we said before this what we're doing this year that we didn't do last year is you can actually buy your ticket in advance yeah, you can buy tickets right now and they're cheaper than they're going to be on right. film freeway so we're losing money on this we actually are <laughs> um, but anyway so and of course, if you want to join Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash greatplotpodcast. Get exclusive content eventually. Yeah, I almost lost it. I almost lost everything. Yeah, we, we, we have all our videos from July through October done. We just need to post them. But yeah, Tony's uh, hard drive took a shit and he almost lost them all. Yeah, luckily before I... So, my computer just wouldn't turn on one day. Don't know why. No explanation, nothing... Nothing was different. It just wouldn't turn on. So I pulled my hard drive to see if anything was corrupted or, you know, see if there's damage or if I could at least spin it up as an external drive. And I did. It was fine. And all the data was there. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to have to wipe this because I can't get it to start up. Something's wrong with Windows. So I, um, I moved everything important over to my other drive, uh, and saved it there, which was a good thing because yeah, I, I, I did wipe my drive and then I couldn't get fucking Windows installed again. <laughs> I just like he had to order a hard drive and have it sent here. Yeah, yeah, I had to go pick it up at an Amazon locker. Um, but everything should be good now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean everything's running, and this probably sounds different because we're using a different mic. Um, yeah, we're doing this old school. Yeah, we haven't recorded on this mic in a long time. I think the last thing we used this mic for, show-wise, was probably a drunken cinema. Probably, yeah. Um, but anyway, so, should we carry on with the show? We probably should, yeah. Let's start with some horror business. Retirement is something we'll never know. Well, well there's that, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Because it's like, yeah, you know, I finally get to take a break after my long career, you know. But at the same time, you sit around and you're just like, what the fuck do I do with all this I'm, time I'm now? bored as hell. <laughs> but, so, you know, it's... Expo- it's I've already watched The Office 47 times. <laughs> 
It's important to have a hobby, something to fill your time. Um, and you know, when you're a cop, you know you have a very special set of skills. What's the natural progression? Ghost hunter. Right? Ghost hunters. You become a ghost hunter. Um, two former police officers, Jason Bertram and Scott Tim, uh, along with Bertram's wife Michelle and colleague Amanda Halzer, have joined forces to create what may likely be the first paranormal investigative team ever spawned from the justice field. This is our real-world horror story, by the way. Oh, yeah, sorry. Did I not say that? No, he didn't. Man, I am. He just went straight into talking about retirement. I am off my game. I'm not even sure we introduced ourselves at the beginning of the episode. I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror, in case we missed that. You guys know. Unless you're new, in which case, welcome. Yeah. Uh, why would you start Please with the Rama episode? <laughs> if, I mean, if they like just found it, they just listen to the newest one. Well, I guess. I hope people go back and listen to our old episodes. But don't do that. That's yeah, it. That's shit's awful. Like, start at, like, episode 30. Maybe. Um, let's see. So, uh, the pair formed the team Paranormal of Wisconsin, or... Pow! Pow! Wonder if Lance knows about them. I don't know. Is he a ghost guy? Uh, nobody's from Wisconsin. <laughs> Everybody in Wisconsin knows each other. It's a tight-knit community. Um, Whenever I think of Wisconsin, I always think of the scene from News Radio where Phil Hartman is talking about um, Dave Foley, where he came from, and he's like, you know, the biggest news story of your town is when the cow escaped in the town hall. And he's like, I'm from Milwaukee. It's a town of one million people. It's like, that must have really been something when that cow escaped there. <laughs> I miss you, Phil Hartman. <laughs> One love. Uh, the pair formed the team Paranormal Wisconsin, or PAL, after Bertram retired from the police force due to severe spinal injury received in a car crash. They're operating as a non-profit organization. Okay. How do you get non-profit status for something like that? That seems so silly. I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I guess if they give it to churches, then they may as well give it to anyone. Hey, oh. Uh, oh, hot take. Um, hey, they give it to the fucking NFL, so. Yeah. Fuck. NFL is about as for profit as you can get. No shit. And fucking Scientology. <laughs> By the way, I'm John Doe. This is John Doe. <laughs> Together we are the Doe's. Um, let's see. Operating as a nonprofit organization, Bertram believes that his team is especially well suited to the task of ghost hunting because his pal brings <laughs> brings a patrol mind and a professionalism based on he, on he and Tim's twenty five year experience on the force. This sure. is reminding me of this. There's a show that was on. I don't know if it still is. Um, I think it was on like Discovery or something, which has basically become like the Ghost Hunting Channel. Um, wasn't that like a guy who was like an old detective? Yeah, he's an old detective and a psychic. Wasn't that? Wasn't he what um, Deliverance from Evil was based on? Partly. Was that him? I thought so. I don't know, but he sounded like an idiot. So like he was like old and fat, and he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be played by Eric Bana. That makes sense." <laughs> no, good casting. Um. Yeah, it's just like this. The old detective from like Brooklyn or something so 
And he, he's like, he doesn't sound like he understands ghosts. <laughs> um, it's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, Bertram explained to Madison Magazine, uh, ghost hunting is very exciting for us. We haven't seen, we have seen and heard some pretty spectacular things at the invitation of the public into their homes or businesses. Uh, we are there to provide a service free of charge because how do you charge for something like this? Yes, exactly. I mean, plenty of companies do. <laughs> well, sure. Or like Michael J. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> Professional exorcist. Um, I mean, like, it's it's silly. It's, all these ghost hunting groups, they're just silly. Okay, I, don't, I don't... I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the crew behind Ghost Hunters has come out and said that they're full of shit. So, and then... You know, Zach Baggins is a whole other bag of shit. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. something scratched my back. Why are your things always scratching his back? Like, yeah. That's not what ghosts do. They don't just scratch backs all the time. Yeah. And that other dude, he's like, oh man, I can't breathe. I can't breathe right now. It's like, maybe you should see your doctor. <laughs> I feel like you're having a lot of problems breathing. And it's only when you're like stressing yourself out to the point where you think there are ghosts. Like, every episode is just like, oh, something scratched my back. Can you breathe okay? No, I can't breathe. I can't breathe right now. Oh, that's because something scratching my back. <laughs> it's probably the same thing. He's choking you and scratching my back at the same time. It's crazy. And the camper guy's like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, no, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> okay. He's like, shut up, you want to get paid? And they all sound like Keanu Reeves for some reason. <laughs> Oh, I hate them. <laughs> um, anyway, so... Then there's the Ghost Bros. Have you seen the Ghost Bros yet? I don't think so. I don't, it, I don't know if it's Ghost Bros or Ghost Brothers, but it's like an all-black ghost team. <laughs> okay. And it's they're, it's, it's very stereotypical. <laughs> so is it a joke? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, it is, but... <laughs> whether or not they're in on it, I don't Um... There's just one group. Um, they're like a bunch of hicks, and like that's it's like I'd rather watch Douche Baggins and his crew than these assholes. They're like so full of shit. That's my story. Oh, that was all things. That was it. Ghost um, Brothers presents a fresh and often funny take on supernatural spookiness as three best friends take a passionate hobby to the next level in some of the country's most haunted locations. So it sounds like they're they're kind of in on it. Like they know they're being silly. Mm. Man, I'm getting parched. Yeah, me too. We should have gone and got something to drink before we started this. But we carry on for the art. Yes, for the art. You better watch out when you hear that sound. It means that the maniac cops around. Once upon a time, he was a super cop, but the bad guy framed him to make him stop. They put him in prison where they tried to kill him. But he broke out, now he's the villain. Bullets won't hurt him. I know it sounds like giant, but when I show up, he's dead or alive. So we've talked before about Nicholas Winding Refn uh, trying to make a reboot of Maniac Cop. Wait, we've talked about this before? Yep. 
All right. Yeah, he was trying to get it off the ground. Uh, well, it turns out now it's been moved to HBO as a television series. Uh, Winding Refn and John Hyams, who uh, developed Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. I don't even know what that is. Was there more than three Universal Soldier movies? I don't know. Who's in that one? Kevin Nash? Fuck, I know. Uh, they've been developing this new take, like I said. Um, they are, will both executive produce and direct, and Reffin will act as the showrunner. If you're not familiar with Nicholas Winding Reffin, he did Drive, uh, as well as The Neon Demon. Yeah. So, uh... Very... <clears throat> arty? Very arty. Very, um... You know, pretty, very visual. Yeah, visual, pretty to look at, um, and severely lacking in substance. Yeah. So, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, set in Los Angeles, Maniac Cop is told through a kaleidoscope of characters from cop to common criminal. A killer in uniform has uncaged mayhem upon the streets. Paranoia leads to social disorder as a city wrestles with the mystery of the exterminator in blue. Is he mere mortal or a supernatural force? I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say, considering he was just a guy in the first one. Yeah. And then the wasn't one he Larry Zerner? Huh? Wasn't he Larry Zerner? Or was that later ones? When was he Larry Zerner? Not, not Larry Zerner. Yeah, we got the big chin, right? Yeah, Z- Zadar. Zadar. Yeah. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Wasn't he Maniac Cop? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, I know. But he was just a guy in the first one. Just a. Just a crazy maniac cop. And then in the other ones, he's a, a dead maniac cop. Well, yeah, see, so it's saying, is it like, is this the first one or the sequels? That's I guess the, you'll have to watch and find out. HBO, Sundays at 10 or whatever the fuck. Uh, said Raffin, we've been talking about a reimagining of the maniac cop films for a number of years, but as we continued to work on the material, we found ourselves wanting to explore the world we were creating in greater depth. What, what world? In a world. The, the maniac cop. Point. Are there more maniac cops? Do they need to, to like discover the source of all these maniac cops? I mean, yeah, you just gave away season two, bro. <laughs> uh, Winding Refn continues. Uh, da, 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 da. Turning Maniac Cop into a series will allow us to realize our wildest ambitions and to reach an enormous audience through partners HBO and Canal Plus. I know what it is. Okay. <laughs> This show will be an unadulterated, action-packed horror odyssey. Given the current state of the world, though, Maniac Cop will also be a strong commentary on the decline of civilization. Uh-oh. On take. should just make him an ice agent, then. <laughs> Got him. Uh, reference also says Maniac Cop will be my version of a cocaine-fueled, neon-soaked, bubblegum-wrapped, mayhem-infused, speed-driven universe of thrill-seekers who are consumed by the ever-present struggle of good versus evil. But evil is winning. This doesn't sound anything like Maniac Cop. I think uh, because of all the cocaine that he just mentioned. <laughs> I like that that's how he starts out. It's like, yeah, we're going to do a shitload of blow when we write this shit. You're not going to know what's going on because we don't know what the fuck's <laughs> going on. It's like, I just did a bump right now. You're I'm doing a bump right now. <laughs> You're doing a bump with my ass. I'm doing a bump while I'm talking. Uh, original creator of the, the series William Lustig will also get a paycheck <laughs> meaning he will serve as executive yeah, producer a, a executive producer quote quote unquote so you hype or what 
mean, I'll see where it goes. I'm not a big Maniac Cop fan, so I'm not like chump. Sorry, champing at the bit. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's not wrong. That's right. Chomping is wrong. It's wrong. Horses champ. You champ. <laughs> yes, I am champ. I didn't say that. You champ. Um. Yeah. So I'm not like super hype, but I mean, I'll check it out because I already have HBO. So why not? <laughs> I'm pretty sure just seeing cocaine fueled and neon soaked applies to everything Nicholas Winding Refn has ever done. Oh, it absolutely does. That's just that's his style, including like his personal relationships and. <laughs> Like in school, it was like, what you drawing there, Billy? And he's like, a neon elephant. <laughs> like, where'd you get neon crayons? We're, we don't, they don't even make those. <laughs> Mr. Crowley, what went on in your head? Supposed to be two more Hatchet movies coming down the pike. Says who? Says Daniel Harris, star of Hatchet 2 and Hatchet 3. Well, she would not then. I mean, she might. We don't know what happened to her because she wasn't in Victor Crowley. Wasn't there like a stinger at the end of with her? Was there? I thought so. Fuck, I don't remember. I think that was the end of Victor Crowley. I mean, that sounds like something great would do. Um, anyway, she was asked about the future of the Hatchet franchise at Monster Mania 44. She says uh, there's supposed to be two more. Uh, I know the rumor Adam told me is that they're going to shoot them at the same time. I haven't read a script or done anything. I just know that he's always make, he always makes me do really stupid shit in a lot of it. So hopefully I'm not going to be handcuffed an entire movie this time or covered in. It's completely insane, insane what he has me do. But I know that there's supposed to be two more, which is great. Is it? Is it great? I liked Victor Crowley. You did? Yeah, we talked about it on the fucking show. Well, you I said you that. liked it too. No. Yeah. I said it was caca. You said it was better than three? Did you like listen to the episode or something? No. I don't think I said that. I think you might have. I don't think I did. I think it's better than three. I think you're dumb. That's a dumb thing. That's something a dumb person would say. I think you're fat. <laughs> um, oh, that's my place. Uh, last September, Green himself had noted that Victor Crowley's success was likely to result in more Hatchet sequels in the future. I mean, I, okay. I mean, if you can make a good Hatchet movie, then I'm all for it because the good Hatchet movies were good. Um, but, I mean, three was... They were great. Huh? They were great. Like, yeah. One was great. And, you know... Two was good. Hatchet three wasn't great. No, it wasn't. But it was, uh, it was fine. Victor Crowley was doo-doo. No, it wasn't. It was, it was doo-doo. I'm telling you, it was doo-doo. <laughs> um, and... Uh, so, but if you can make a good one, then I'm all for it. Uh, I just hope that he does actually make a good one. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. 
You gave it a six and a half. Wait, that can't be right. No, I didn't. I gave it a six and a half. You gave it a seven. What? Rubbish. We need yeah, to go see, back. You don't even know what movies you like anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to do it a second time around on that one. I think you just so think yeah. you didn't like it for some reason. So I set the record straight. Like I said, you said you liked it. I don't know why you're acting like I'm an idiot. You don't even know what the fuck you, your own mouth said. Oh, I know what I said. Anyway, so, yeah. Look forward to more Hatchet movies, maybe. Maybe. We'll some are satin, some are steel. Some are silk and some are leather. They're the faces of the stranger, but we love to try them on. So recently we talked about Quibi, brand new streaming service. Uh, they were making some dumb haunted house flipper show or something. Uh, but it turns out it's not all going to be just crappy reality t- TV on Quibi. Oh, good. It's also going to possibly be a mediocre horror thriller series. Neat. Called The Stranger. This is coming from Vina Sud, or maybe Sud, uh, who also did The Killing and Seven Seconds. He is the creator, writer, and director of The Stranger. That's going to star Micah Monroe and Dane DeHaan. Micah Monroe, of course, of... Uh, 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 it Follows. It Follows. There you go. Yeah. I got there. <laughs> and Dane DeHaan of uh, Spider-Man and uh, Cure for Wellness. Oh, him. Okay. Yeah, the weird-looking guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> guy looks like he might, like, steal your soul or something. Uh, the thriller follows an unassuming young rideshare driver who was thrown into her worst nightmare when a mysterious Hollywood Hills passenger enters her car. Her terrifying ride with the stranger unfolds over 12 hours as she navigates the seedy underbelly of Los Angeles in a chilling game of cat and mouse. I don't understand how it's a game of cat and mouse when they're in the same car. Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. That doesn't make any sense. So is, is Quibi... Is it horror, like a horror streaming service? I don't know what the fuck it is. Okay. I feel like I saw something else about it a few weeks ago, but I can't remember what it was. Apparently it's quick bites of captivating entertainment created for mobile by the best talent designed to fit perfectly into any moment of your day. So what, they're like, sh- not even full episodes? I mean, that's what it sounds like. Okay. American short form mobile video platform. You know, um, Verizon did something like that. Um, it was a like a streaming service that like catered to um, like short films. Um, <clears throat> I wonder if this is like the same thing that they just changed, or if they're just taking from the idea, or what. Well, it said it got funding from Walt Disney, NBC Universal, Sony Pictures, Warner Media, Liberty Global, and Alibaba. So they did all right. Oh, goddamn. Uh, they got. Oh, Spielberg's After Dark is supposed to be on Quibi. They're gonna have a judge-style show with Chrissy Teigen. Oh boy. <laughs> judge Chrissy. Untitled Justin Timberlake project. 
Wolves and Villagers. That sounds like it might be horror. Fifty States of Fear. Oh, horror. Yeah, so there's Fifty States of Fear, whatever that is. Uh, thriller, 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 Spielberg's After Dark. Neat. But yeah, I don't know if it's like, are they going to be half hour or like five minutes or 30 seconds? Like what's, what's this quick hitter nonsense? I don't know, but you know, I feel like I can't really get invested in a show that's like 10 minutes long, you know? Yeah. Well, and if, if, uh, this the Stranger show is going to be 12 hours, like is that 12 hours of runtime? Cause that's like 120 episodes. <laughs> Uh, 50 States of Fear will highlight the scariest folklore from each state in America. Ah. That's another quibby, quibby, quibby thing. That is neat. Sorry, whatever. Anyway. Stranger. Quibby. You know, Probably sometimes I sit on my other hand till it falls asleep and then jack off. And I call that the Stranger. Well, now that's trademarked by Quibi. You can't call it that anymore. You've got to call it something else. Okay. Uh, the unfamiliar. <laughs> Only the lonely. <laughs> Country roads Take me home To the place I belong West Virginia Next up in the series of remakes that nobody wanted, Wrong Turn is uh, moving forward. Uh, Damien Ma- Maffey in The Strangers uh, is cast along with Matthew Modine from Stranger Things and Bill Sage from We Are, we Are What We Are. Um, let's see. Who said this? Uh, Ma- Maffey. Oh, Damien, okay, Damien Maffey says, as, as a lifelong horror fan and a fan of cinema in, a fan of cinema in general, it is tremendously exciting to be part of this production. Uh, I'm out here with a truly outstanding ace crew, a legitimately incredible cast, some of who I've been a fan of for years, under the helm of a brilliant, tireless director in Mike Nelson, with a fantastic screenplay by Alan McElroy, or McElroy, I don't know. Uh, you won't see coming. I'm very excited for his for this sucker to make its way out to the world. Seriously, make room for this one. So, there's that. I'm probably not going to make room for this one. I'm probably not going to do that either. Because I haven't seen like the last four wrong turns. Mm-hmm. So I'm really not interested in a reboot of it. Yeah. I mean, wrong turn two was okay. And, you know, wrong turn one was, was fun for what it was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, pretty much everything after that was just a big old doo doo pie. Take a doo doo pie. Uh, characters such as Ram Skull, Deer Skull, and Wild Boar Skull, uh, will be part of this story. Uh, synopsis is friends hiking in the Appalachian Trail are confronted by the Foundation, a community of people who have lived in the mountains for hundreds of years. So I got a couple of things I got to say here. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember them ever having a name, like The Foundation, no, in the didn't. original movies. Um, I also don't remember 
them having names. Although these ram skull and deer skull, they probably like have skulls on their heads or something. One would think. Which is, is another thing they didn't do. Yeah, I feel like they're just making them into weird mountain people rather than like inbred cannibals. Yeah, kind of sounds that way. Um, it is currently filming in Ohio. So there's that. I don't. I don't care. I, I, I can't even pretend to care about this. It, I. It's such a strange franchise to reboot. Like I know they made seven of them. Yeah. But like, like I said, who really like was still fiending for more wrong turn? Not I. Was I like? I don't think anybody was like, yes, they're gonna make a seventh one finally. Like, <laughs> And even and those people probably don't want this to happen either because they're like, well, it's a reboot. I hate reboots. It's not going to be true. It's not going to be loyal to the franchise. Right. D- does did Wrong Turn really have like those like devotee? I, mean, I fans. don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I've never met one. Yeah, that's like you got people that just you know adore Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street or you know all the classics. I don't really think Wrong Turn ever had that. Yeah, like I said. Well, you ain't never met one of them? That's all we fucking talk about. <laughs> no, I have not met one if there are if they are out there. So Okay, well yeah, wrong turn. You know, if you care, then it's filming. So In Ohio. You can see it at some point. With with animal skulls. So, friend of the show, Gigi Saul Guerrero, who is a name that uh, some people might be getting more and more familiar with. She's starting to develop quite a... Uh, Quite a resume. She's blowing up, dog. She made um, Culture Shock for Blumhouse on Hulu. Uh, she's recently signed a first look deal with Blumhouse. She directed uh, one of the episodes for the upcoming Purge TV series. Yep. Yep. And she is now, uh, she's making a film based around the legend of Santa Muerte with the hopes of it becoming a franchise. Uh, this is set up at Screen Gems, so this will be her first like major studio feature. Right. Uh, she's attached to direct, obviously. Uh, based on Nuestra Señora de la Santa Muerte, often shortened to Santa Muerte, Spanish for Our Lady of Holy Death. For those of you not familiar, like myself, she's an idol in Mexican and Mexican-American folklore. The personification of death, she is associated with healing, protection, and safe delivery to the afterlife by her devotees. She's often depicted as a female version of the Grim Reaper, a cloaked skeletal figure holding a scythe. Uh, she's going to be working on a screenplay written by her frequent collaborator Shane McKenzie, who of course was responsible for the one and only El Gigante, right? Which you can catch on Shutter, and you should because it's fucking dope. It's such so dope. Like that's the one that we were like, we need to know these people, right? Yeah. Uh, uh... We saw that before we met them, right? Yeah. Yeah, because Gigi DM'd us and she was like, do you want to watch this? That was like our first correspondence. Okay. Yeah. And then we watched it and we were like, do you want to come on the show? Right. Yeah, and they've actually been on, we 
talked to them. I mean, the Luchagor crew, we've talked to them three times in the show? Four times? I mean, a couple times at Crypticon, so it's... They're on the show. Yeah. We only had, like, one, like, formal interview. Right. Anyway, no, we're, we're big fans of her, big fans of, you know, Luchagor. Um, and I, I, it's cool that she's able to... Uh, expand on her heritage you know do something like this because there is a lot of untapped uh, stuff in um, you know Mexican and Central American um, lore um, that I think is just like prime for you know not necessarily even just horror but film in general Um, and it's like I really wish that someone like her would have directed uh, La Llorona La Llorona because I feel like she would have actually made a good movie. <laughs> I, I feel like I can't blame the directors in James Wan movies anymore. That's true. Like, every James Wan movie looks like a James Wan movie, so I'm pretty sure it's James Wan. Yeah. Like, if it looks like a duck and fucks like a duck and shits like a duck. Just, that's you, the phrase, right? It's a, it's a duck fucker. <laughs> I ain't no chicken fucker! <laughs> but, no, I mean... Yeah, we're excited for her. Yeah, to, for <clears throat> and I'm excited she's making something without Blumhouse. Sorry, Gigi. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, Go you. Yeah. Uh, Gigi will be uh, expecting a screener at some point. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tickets so to the premiere, you know. We're probably not going to get any of those things. If you want to put us in it, we have acting experience. <laughs> alright so that's the end of Horror Business guys um, and from here we move on to our film reviews that's what we do alright so this is week of the lady killer as we said earlier um, these, this theme was brought to us by our patrons um, but we did pick the films because this is our show, goddammit. And we let you guys pick movies before and you gave us fucking Ernest Scared Stupid on Saturday the 14th, so. <laughs> What's wrong with Ernest Scared Stupid? Nothing. <laughs> Not a goddamn thing. But I mean, come on. I mean, no, there's plenty wrong with it. Well, sure, yeah. Um, but, uh, so for this episode we picked uh, May and All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. Yeah, sorry if you were looking forward to American Psycho too. I, I was that was a joke. Yeah, There's, that movie. The movie is a joke. It's, it's the whole thing's just a joke. It's a travesty. Uh, so Taylor, which would you like to start with? Let's start with all the boys love Mandy Lane. There she is, boys. Mandy Lane, untouched, pure. Since the dawn of junior year, men have tried to possess her, and to date, all have failed. Chloe, is she in? I'm working on it. You're coming this weekend, right? Right. She's coming to my ranch, dude. Welcome to paradise, Mandy. You seem different. It's because I am. Wait, 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 wait. Did you guys hear that? Uh, uh, 
Nobody out there. Nobody around for miles. Oh my god. Andy, I think we need to get out of here. So, All the Boys Love Mandy Lane is about the titular Mandy Lane, played by Amber Heard. The titular Amber Heard. Who may or may not be a domestic abuser, depending on if you believe Johnny Depp. A guy who wears eyeliner <laughs> and talks with a fake British accent. Um, man, have you been following their divorce at all? No. It's, it's wild. Like, when I heard that, like, he beat the hell out of her and... Like verbally and physically abused her, and then she like gave, gave all of her divorce settlement to charity. It's just like that's all I heard. After that, I'm just like, all right, I'm done with these people. Oh yeah, apparently he has like 80 hours of evidence of her beating the shit out of him. I don't know if I can believe that or not. <laughs> Anyways, um, so this this takes place. In, at a high school in Texas, uh, Mandy Lane has just blossomed over the summer, and all the boys have noticed. All the boys love her. All the boys now love her. And they're like, like one guy even says, he's like, hey, look who got hot over the summer. It's like, wow, that was uh, that's some great writing there. But so they're all trying to, you know, get in her pants. And this one guy read... Um, oh, wait, before that, Dylan, who's the guy that was like, oh, somebody got hot over the summer. Why don't you come to my pool party? It's a real cool party. Cool pool party. We've got chips. And Mike Dillard was to be there. Oh, yeah! <laughs> um, so they're all hanging out at this pool party. Everybody's drinking. You've seen movies. They're <laughs> um, <laughs> drinking out of red Solo cups. And Mandy's friend, uh, Emmett, who... It, is you know her longtime friend. He's not trying to get with her. He's they they grew up together, and he's her her closest confidant. He's there too. She dragged him along, and he's just hanging out on the roof. And uh, him and Dylan, you know, they kind of get into it. He, he squirts Dylan with his super soaker, which seems like a reasonable thing to do at a pool party. And Dylan just like walks up and punches him straight in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was then later he's hanging out on the roof. Dylan comes up and just says, you know, like, "Hey, you're you're a fucking pussy, and I hate you. And why are you so stupid?" You know, typical high school bullshit. Yeah. And so Emmett's like, "Hey, why don't you jump off the roof into the pool? Mandy will think it's hot." Yeah, because he's he's like shit housed. Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. And so he does it, and he he ends up missing and cracking his head open. And that was a. Like, I, I knew it was coming, but the way it was shot was kind of cool. Yeah, the, you just see the pool, and then you hear the, the thwack, and then you just see, like, this blood start pooling in the pool. 
that, I mean, I didn't hear the thwack. What I heard was the splash. So it's like at first you think he made it, but then you kind of see his body floating into the water. Wait, you see the blood first, not his body. Yeah, yeah. You didn't hear a thwack. No. You did see your headphones work. Really yeah, quiet. we were trying to watch this on the plane, and that was not working well. Um. So yeah. So Dylan's dead. <laughs> so he's dead. <laughs> Fast forward nine months later, it's now the end of junior year. Mandy has become the popular girl. All the you know the guys want to do her. The girls all want to be her. She joins the the cool clique and just kind of leaves Emmett behind. Uh, and so this guy Red, who's just this you know stereotypical stoner kid, he's like, I'm having a big party at my ranch. You got a ranch? No big deal. What kid has a ranch? kids in Texas what I kid guess. calls it a ranch I guess yeah it is Texas but so he says you know I, I really want Mandy to come and so he has his friend Chloe invite her and eventually they, they talk Mandy into coming and so all the guys are like this is it this is our chance we're gonna get to put our gross little things inside Mandy Lane um, it's apparent that she's a virgin still at this point and so they all want to be the first one up in there that that's just like a side of like a stupid high school kid cause like why would you want to fuck a virgin I mean uh it's like that baggage <clears throat> attached all over it you know what um Vinny Chase always said don't be the first don't be the last there you go don't fuck virgins or old ladies I think is the point <laughs> <laughs> uh so We've got Mandy, Chloe, Red, um, and then Chloe's friend Marlon. Friend, you know, there's the whole like Mean Girls thing where she's constantly calling her fat, even though she's not right at all. Uh, as well as Jake, who is Chloe's ex-boyfriend, and Bird, who is the word. That's what I've heard. We did. We did a thing. We did a bit. <laughs> wasn't planned. It was totally off the cuff. And so they get there. They meet the ranch hand, Garth, who all the girls are like, oh, hello, Garth. And he's like, hey. It's like, hey. Like, like from Wayne's World. Yeah. He's not like that at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> but so there's just, you know, all this drinking, and they're all trying to get with Mandy. Uh, Marlon's giving out handies left and right. <laughs> everyone they're playing candies and blowies yeah they're playing kings and uh at one point you know they say or they they jump to truth or dare and they say who has the the smallest package at the table and marlon and chloe both close their eyes and point at jake he no it's not true (laughs) he storms off and marlon chases him and uh gives him a blowy in the barn but she's like, see, it gets bigger. They all get bigger when they're hard. I'm like, who the fuck wrote this? Like, virgins wrote this movie, right? Like, <laughs> some of the dialogue is just awful. Yeah. And it's like, who the fuck talks while they're giving a blowjob? <laughs> I mean, his package must be small if she could talk while she was giving a blowjob. Uh-huh. <laughs> um... Yeah, and then she, like, wants him to reciprocate, and he's like, nah, I'm out. And so then, then that's when she gets murdered, all of a sudden, by this, like, random person in a hoodie. He just comes out of nowhere, stabs her with a pitchfork, right? That was her? They got pitchforked? 
Um, no, she got the shot. Oh, she got the shovel in the jaw. Right? No, no, the was, shotgun. Was the jaw. barrel of a shotgun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't actually shoot her with it. Just shoves the, the gun down her face and breaks her jaw. Which was a pretty cool looking effect. That was pretty cool. Um, Jake comes back to the house, tries to fuck Mandy. She's not having it. So he's like, all right, I'll just go fuck Marlon then. She, yeah, she was down, whatever. This guy's a fucking machine. He'll, yeah, he'll just fuck anything that moves. I'll fuck this bitch. I'll fuck that bitch. I can't do that, man. I need like a fucking... I need a Gatorade in between. <laughs> I need like a couple hours of rest. <laughs> I mean, we're not in high school anymore. It's true. High school, you just jizz. <laughs> just fuck. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Jake goes back to find Marlon, sees her mangled, comes across the killer, realizes it's Emmett. Oh. Yeah, they spoil a surprise in, like, the middle of the movie. But it's like, I already knew who it was. It wasn't a very good mystery. No. Now, I know what you're thinking at home. You're like, Taylor, Emmett is a guy's name. I thought this was Week of the Lady Killers. Just bear with me. Just there, Slappy. Just hold on. Just wait. Might have a reverse Angela situation. We'll find out. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so Jake goes back to the house. Or no. This was later. At some point, Jake gets drunk and takes the gun. That must have happened before he found Marlon, obviously. He... Yeah. Because he went back to the house, he tried to fuck Mandy, and then for some reason he took his pants off and started... Because he was going to go skinny dipping. Was that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so he's like super drunk and he takes the gun and the truck, and that's when, that's when he's looking for Marlon. Um, but Emmett shoots him takes the truck drives it back to the house starts shooting fireworks at everybody who's hanging out on the porch Red's like playing wings on the porch um was it fireworks? yeah uh, I guess that would make more sense because I stopped and bought the fireworks it was the whole scene where they stopped and bought the fireworks how did I miss that? it was that? foreshadowing wow okay I yes. must I think just like not being able to hear it on the plane was making me not pay attention <laughs> They're sitting on the porch trying to, you know, get their heads straight because they're all just drunk and Chloe's full of whatever kind of pills she's putting up her nose. Mm -hmm. Red's just like, love, take me down to the streets. And, uh... Who's that? Is that Wings? See, then, like I said, Emmett comes up, starts shooting fireworks at him. Bird's like, nah, fuck this. Chases the van, or the truck down. (laughs) Which, sure, whatever. Uh, Emmett slices him in the eyes right face who does that (laughs) an effective killer I guess I guess yeah he just blinded him and then stabbed him in the back Mm -hmm. Um, this is another one of those movies where people just start disappearing one by one and nobody notices yeah because like with Jake and Marlon they were like oh they've probably just been fucking for the last eight hours and with Bird, they were just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, nobody ever seemed to even mention that Bird was gone. No, it's because he was the black guy. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> uh, let's see. This is a horror movie, after all. Um, 
So they all fall asleep, wake up the next morning. Garth figures out what's going on. So he's like, hey, we need to get out of here now. We gotta go. We gotta go. Soon as he opens the front door, boom, gets shot. So he's sitting there bleeding. Red's like, I'm gonna run to the, I'm gonna go out the back, I'm gonna run to the other car, Chloe's car that was left at the gate, which they said was a mile away. And Chloe, in her tiny, tiny pajamas, is like, I'm gonna go with you. Yeah, I have bare feet. Yeah, and Red's like, okay, instead of no. Yeah, I would be like, no, you stay here, you're gonna hold me back. Yeah. So he runs to the car, they get to the car, and they decide to stop and make out. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> fucking teenagers, man. Like, get in the car, drive away, then make out. Maybe she'll give you roadhead. <laughs> but she was, like, trying to set him up with Mandy earlier in the movie, too, so I'm not really sure. Dude, was... everybody was trying to fuck everybody. It was just a fuck pile. It was just a fuck, big old fuck fest. It didn't matter. Like, there was... If, if it went in holes, it was going in holes. Like, <laughs> um... But so Red gets shot, and then Emmett gets in the car. He starts chasing Chloe around in the car. He could have run her over at any moment, mm-hmm. but he decides to just keep toying with her. And she runs back to the house, and there's Mandy waiting for her. She's like, come to me! Chloe runs into her arms, and that's when you realize Mandy has shanked her. She took a hunting knife out of Garth's little guest house and just stabs Chloe right in the gut. Yeah. So Chloe's laying there bleeding. Emmett gets out of the car and you realize they're working together. It was all all a big ruse just to get the popular kids and uh, now they have a suicide pact. And so they're like, alright, well, we're going to die together now that we've accomplished our Goals and because they're idiot fucking teenagers. Emmett wrote a manifesto in his journal. It's so stupid. But Mandy is like, nah. <laughs> she literally says, "I'm gonna finish high school first. Yeah. Well, it's like she whispered something in his ear, and I couldn't really pick up on. Yeah, I didn't know we were supposed to be able to understand that because I didn't either. But I think the the impression that I got is that she realized that he was just in love with her, was doing it to try and impress her, and like basically wanted her to die with him so nobody else could have her. That's kind mm. of the impression that I got. It wasn't really confirmed or debunked by the movie itself, but... I was just under the impression she set him up. I mean, maybe that wasn't explicitly explained, though. Yeah, no, like like Tony said, she whispers something in her in his ear. But if you're supposed to be able to hear it, neither one of us did. Yeah, I was. It it seemed to me like you weren't supposed to be able to understand it because it just kind of sounded like yeah, secrets. So they get in a big fight. She falls in a cow grave. That was icky. That was gross. It was all muddy too. So, but it's like you don't know what what was mud and what was old cow right a big old mess yeah it was it was nasty and And their disease like because this is going back to a story that Garth was telling that he 
he put down an entire herd of cows yeah. because they were diseased. Right. So they're diseased cows too. It's just icky. So now, now that she has mad cow, probably she probably does. <clears throat> uh, she, you know, Emmett keeps yelling, "Die with me! Die with me!" And she's like, "Well, one of us is gonna die." And then she starts screaming, "Help! Help! Help!" There comes Garth the hero. <laughs> Boom! Shoots Emmett. Misses. I think, he, I think he grazed him or hit him in the shoulder or something. He got him, but... He, he, didn't, he didn't kill him. No, he got up and started chasing after him with the machete. Yeah, and then he stabbed him multiple times with it. Um, <clears throat> da, 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 da. And... Yeah, and then Mandy beats Garth with a, uh, a branch with the machete because he swings the machete and she blocks it with his branch and the machete was stuck in the branch then she just hit him with the branch with the machete in it. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, she helps Garth up to his feet. They get in the car and drive away and Garth's like, you saved us. And that's it. And then we're like, oh, but she didn't. Or she did, but she didn't. I mean, she did. (laughs) But she kind of saved you from herself. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and then we get this weird flashback of them playing on train tracks, and then it's just over. Yeah, it's like, I don't care. <laughs> They're all dead, I don't care. <clears throat> um, I don't know. This wasn't a great movie. No, but it's also not a terrible movie. Yeah, it was kind of just right down the middle. Like I said, a lot of the dialogue is really bad. But there are some pretty good gore scenes. And, you know, you, you think that they give away the ending super early and you're like why did they tell you who the killer is already but then it does still have that little twist at the end mm-hmm. which is also a little bit uh, you, you could kind of see it coming yeah pretty much um it uh alright um yeah the story was just really easy and predictable there's like half a minute where they try to make you think Garth is the killer yeah very briefly yeah um but it's like not a red herring enough to actually like mean anything or actually give you any kind of impression it's just like but what about Garth just kidding it's not Garth (laughs) it's like because it was so easy to even to, to guess who the killer was even before they appeared on screen or before the there were before the killer was revealed, like halfway through the movie, it was still easy to figure out who it was. Um, and I don't know if that was an intentional or not, um, because it was really easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, something I just <clears throat> looking at the um, Wikipedia page. You know, I'm watching this thinking this kind of looks like it's kind of like. Like a, almost like a grindhouse type thing, or like an old spaghetti western, as far as like how it's shot and the, the the color and stuff like that. And like this looks a lot like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I'm reading here that the director was influenced by Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, so I wasn't crazy. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, I mean it's it's a good looking movie. Yeah, I don't just mean Amber Heard. Ha ha. 
Oh, we were on the plane and um, <laughs> watching this. And what's her face? Chloe. Whitney Abel. Oh. Yeah. The character, Chloe. She's like up in her room. She takes off her shirt. It's like, oh. But she's got like one of those like sticky flesh colored plastic bra things on. And then she peels those off. It's like, okay. That kind of like leaned over so no one could see it in between the seats. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, anyway, so that, that was it for nudity, but it's like it was just an inopportune time for yeah. that to happen. <clears throat> um, you know, we were talking about the, the way it was filmed and like most of it was fine, but there was a lot of like like handheld stuff and like like over zooming like the part where Emmett's chasing Chloe and it's showing it like from where uh, Mandy's standing and it's like a super zoom like you would with like a hand camera or like a handy cam like it looks super unprofessional like imagine they're going for some kind of artistic element but it looked bad to me but <clears throat> I mean, as a film, it. I mean, there's not a lot wrong with it, I guess. I mean, it, the actors were fine. Um, it was shot well. The script. Yeah, the, the dialogue is my biggest beef. For yeah, that. that left some something to be desired. Um, and the story itself was a little thin, I guess. Yeah. Um, because, like I said, you know, you did know who the killer was pretty quick, and they didn't, aside from just a very brief instance where they tried to make you think it was Garth, like, there wasn't really a lot of setup to make you think it was anyone else. Which is like, okay, well, who's the one person who isn't here? Yeah. And, and who has motive? Like, he's, he's really the only person with motive in the exactly. whole movie. So. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I think it looks good, um... When you said the Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing, like a lot of the scenes of the girls running towards the camera is a very Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was directed well. It was shot well. It was acted well. It, I just, it just, it almost felt like they wanted to make like a one of the like teen comedy movies, but make it as a horror movie. <laughs> but they didn't lean far enough into it. If that was the case, mm. so it was just kind of like this smattering of real cheesy lines and. Most of them about sex. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much just all fucking. Which is weird because there's like almost no nudity. Yeah. And all the sex is like implied. You don't even see like, you know, grinding or anything. The most you see is a hand job under a map. Right. You just see the map going up and down. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was, it was decent. It's, you know, the some of the kill scenes are pretty good. The, I mean, Marlins was was definitely the best. Yeah, that was getting, pretty good. The, the jaw just, like, gets ripped off. Yeah, I mean, most of the people in this movie get stabbed, and, like, you don't really see the stabbing. Right. I see is just, like... Like, uh... Well... Like, when Chloe gets stabbed, the knife is just sitting there, like, right in her... Like, her sternum or her solar... Like, her solar... Solar plexus. And, like, there's just, like blood like spurting up from it that was kind of cool yeah but as far as like gore effects there wasn't much there's just you know blood it's kind of that's kind of the the 
max of it, I guess. Apparently it only had a budget of $750,000. That seems high to me. You think so? Considering most movies are multiple millions. Well, I mean, considering this is a, 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 a low-budget feature, that I don't think this had like any studio backing in it. I don't think so. Occupant Films, who I've never heard of. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Radius picked it up in the U.S. for distribution. <sighs> anyway. So, you have anything to add to this? Not really. Like I said, I, th- I think it's... Um, I think it's worth a watch. It's definitely... You know, it, it hasn't gotten a lot of credit out there. It's not something you hear talked about a lot. But, I mean, it's on Netflix. Yeah, it free. Yeah. So, well, if you have Netflix. But who doesn't fucking have Netflix? My dad. What? I know. What is wrong with him? Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's worth a watch. But don't go into it expecting anything, like, spectacular. But it's a fun enough movie that moves along well, that keeps you... Keeps a good pace. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm just going to go right on the middle and give it a five. Um, yeah, I'm thinking the same. It's, it's it's a fine movie. I don't know that I'll necessarily uh, watch it again anytime soon. Um, but I would probably recommend some, that you'd watch it, like, once. Just, just to say you have, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of really terrible horror movies on Netflix, and this is one of the better ones. So, right, if if you've uh, you know exhausted your usual cue, then you know, maybe fire this one up. Yeah, why not? All right, so next up is the I think it's two thousand nine. No, two, oh, okay, two thousand two, Lucky McKee film. May. You know how when you meet someone and you think you like them, but then the more you talk to them, you see parts you don't like? Everyone always thought May was different. Jesus, what are you doing? Relaxing. Doesn't it hurt? Ow! You crazy bitch! But really, she was just misunderstood. I need a real friend. Someone I can hold. Don't be mad. Then, one day, May met Adam. Hello? The boy I saw today is different. So what do you do, May? I work at the animal hospital. When I left for vacation, my dog had four legs. You can't sew it back on, can you? I could. Some people think it's kind of gross. I love gross. Really? And she thought he liked her just the way she was. Oh, I'm bleeding. Hey, this is weird. You like weird. Not that weird. But May's new friend turned out to be just like everyone else. I'm sorry things didn't work out between us. It just didn't feel right. So many pretty parts, no pretty holes. So May decided to make a friend of her own. I need more parts. You have a beautiful neck. I love your tattoo. Can I get a few more measurements? I love your hands. You have really beautiful legs. You're gonna look perfect.
Okay, so May is a 2002 film by Lucky McKee. Uh, it uh, stars Angela Bettis, who I recognize her most as playing Carrie White in the TV movie. I don't remember exactly when that came out. I recognize her most as playing May. Sure. <laughs> I think this is the only thing I've ever seen her in. I can totally see her as Carrie, though. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and like May and Carrie are actually pretty similar characters, so it works, I guess, but it's a little bit of a typecast. I yeah. <laughs> um, that movie's... The movie kind of sucked. Because it, it was fine up to a point, but then they changed the ending because they were apparently going to try to turn it into a TV series. Yeah. So, like, instead of Carrie dying at the end, she, like, drove off into the sunset with her friend. Oh. Well, it was night, but... You know. The moon set. The moon's... Sure, yeah. Why don't we use the words moon, moon set? I guess moonrise. I don't really say moonrise either. I don't know. I don't... I don't make... Science words. <laughs> or regular words, for that matter. <laughs> anyway, so the center's around May, who is played by Angela Bettis. Um, it takes place uh, in the all uh, area. L-I. Um, and hey, that's where we are. We, we're there right now. Uh, May, she's 28 years old, but this actually starts out when she's a child. She... Grew up with a lazy eye, a very lazy eye. Um, probably the worst lazy eye I've ever seen. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, and it's practically she, in her nose. <laughs> uh, and you know, yeah, kids have lazy eyes, and you just kind of deal with it. You know, train them to help help them train it to get better. Um, but her mom was very obsessed with perfection and that her daughter be as perfect as possible. So she would try to hide the lazy eye by putting an eye patch over it and then like like pushing her hair down over the eye patch. Um, and, you know, so because of this, May didn't really grow up the most popular girl in school. Um, she didn't have many friends. In fact, it looked like, I don't know, it was maybe her first day in school. She has the eye patch on and this little kid comes up and asks her if she's a pirate. So you can get a, get an idea how the rest of her childhood's going to go. If, if someone asks you if you're a pirate, just, you say yes. Yeah. Just like if someone asks you if you're a god. Yeah. We learned that. From Ghostbusters. From Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters teaches... People, lots of things. Like how to bust ghosts. Yeah. Because busting makes me yeah, feel good. It makes good. me feel good. Busting nuts. hey okay, you took it too far. Oh, come on. They knew. <laughs> exactly. Hey. They knew. You didn't need to go there. <laughs> <clears throat> so, naturally, because she's so made fun of, she has no friends. And um, her mother, who is a doll maker on her birthday gives her a gift which is a doll like a little porcelain doll it looks like it's porcelain. I think it's porcelain yeah um, named Susie this is the first doll that her mother ever made and she's in this glass box and her mother says I've always said that if you can't uh, find a friend that you should make one and so May wants naturally 
being a child, wants to take the doll out of the glass case. And her mom stops her and says, no, she can't come out. She's perfect. So, yeah, May's just got a lot going for her right now. Yeah, her, uh, her parents didn't exactly set her up for success. Yeah, it looks like her dad was just kind of passive. And I don't know, his wife was probably kind of a ball buster. And just like, you know what? Whatever. Just do what you want. I'm going to go masturbate in the den. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> so fast forward, um, May is now 28 years old. She works at a veterinary clinic, uh, under the doc, uh, under, under the leadership of Dr. Azamat, the guy from Borat. Yeah. The big fat guy that showed his wiener. And his butthole probably. <laughs> um, and, uh, and she... Uh, one of her co-workers, it, or I guess her only co-worker, is Anna Ferris, uh, playing the character Polly, who is just thirsty as fuck. Yeah, she uh, she doesn't know how to flirt properly. No. And she's a lesbian, so just... And, you know, she she's a lesbian, and May is not. That doesn't uh, stop Polly. Nope. Even though she's not good at flirting. Nope. <laughs> She's just, like, way too aggressive. Yeah. Um, And just weird, too. She's just a weird person. Yeah. But not as weird as May. Well, no, no one in this movie is as weird as May. May is quite the oddball. And it's not really her fault, because she did not have a good upbringing. Yeah, she didn't really learn social interaction very well. (laughs) Right. But she's working at this vet clinic, and um, it's, you know, she's very mousy and quiet and virginal um and she her currently to this day her only friend is Susie um who she will come home and talk to so we're just really building a good character profile here yeah (laughs) um she's still got the lazy eye um which has been corrected with glasses but every time she takes them off that thing just goes on a vacation um and one day she happens past a mechanic shop where she sees Adam, who is played by John, Jeremy Jeremy Sisto, uh, Joe Sisto. You know Joe Sisto. Oh yeah, like Frank Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Famous brothers. Um, what? <laughs> they have different last names. No, 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 Joe Sisto and Frank Gyllenhaal. Oh, they have famous brothers. Are they saying they were famous brothers? No. <laughs> like, Um, she doesn't see Adam's face she just sees his hands which which she is just fixated on she's got a weird body part fetish she doesn't seem to like people just parts yeah Um, so yeah she comes home and tells Susie that she met a guy today who had the most perfect hands because she saw Adam just caressing this car. Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty innocuous on his end. He's just te- you know checking the body for or his car body for uh, you know dents and scratches. But it looked like they made it look like he was just caressing it. Well, yeah, they played like you know sexy music and did it all in slow motion. Right. So yeah, it looked like he was just like ooh baby, yeah, ooh. So May becomes just obsessed with him, and um, she's trying to create situations 
to, to meet him. Um, and she goes to the optometrist who gives her contact lenses. I don't know why at 20 years old she's just getting contact lenses. <laughs> right. um, but uh, that seems to remedy her eye, so that's not so much an issue, but her mental issues are still very much in place. Um, and so she, she goes to like the cafe where he's having lunch and he, he falls asleep. Dude just like gets knocked the fuck out in the middle of this cafe. Yeah. Like I've, I've fallen asleep where I'm sitting before, but it's like as soon as my head starts to dip, right. I wake up. This guy is out cold. Yeah. Face first into his plate. But he's got his hand up in the air and she comes up and starts like rubbing her face on his hand. And then he wakes up. He's like, uh, hello. And then she just takes off. Yeah. Um, but she's still working. She's still, you know, making things happen. And she keeps running into him because obviously they, I guess they, they must work in relative Nearby, proximity yeah. to each other. Um, and uh, they, you know, start, he, she's, she's very strange and he seems to be into that. So they sort of start dating. Um, and... Uh, let's see what's the next most important thing well he shows her this student film that he made it's called Jack and Jill and it's basically just this couple having a picnic and then they start eating each other right um and it you know he thinks it might weird her out but she's actually kind of into it and so they go off and start rolling around and move into the bedroom um and you know he's just trying to make out with her and kind of get things warmed up and she keeps trying to put his hand hers you know his fingers in in uh in her mouth and he just double check <laughs> he will um he's kind of teasing he's, her he'll tease her but he, he he's not he's not into her fucking around with his hands. He just wants to do some straight vanilla white people sex. <laughs> um, some missionary Wednesday. <laughs> and so... So, I mean, they're fooling around and he goes to kiss her and she bites the fuck out of his lip and he starts bleeding everywhere and he's... He immediately expresses how not into that he is and... Um, he may starts rubbing his blood all over her face and neck. Yeah, and he's like, what are you doing? She's like, it's it's, it's like your, like your movie. movie. And he's like, okay, I think I need to go. Um, and so he just kind of starts ghosting her, as you do when shit gets weird. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's when she starts to become a little unhinged. Um, she starts like getting in arguments with with Susie, um, and that's when she starts kind of falling into the arms of another with Polly. Yep. Who is just not giving up. She will. She just keeps on with uh, May, and eventually May just I think she just she just wants she just wants to be loved. Yeah, she just wants the human connection. She's not necessarily. A lesbian per se or even necessarily bisexual I guess she just wants that connection yeah um and uh so she they, kept asking Polly she was like are you serious about me and like 
Yeah. Do you actually care about me and stuff like that? So Polly starts fooling around with her and goes down on her. Um, and but she's she's not quite giving up on Adam yet. Um, she keeps she's she keeps trying to like uh, run into him like she did before. And she actually ends up coming to his house. Um, and she's about to knock on the door, but she overhears a conversation with him and his roommate um, talking about, like, oh, I'm so glad I dumped that ma- crazy maid chick, you know, blah, 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 blah. And um, I mean, she's overhearing it all, and she actually hears another woman's voice, um, you know, kind of joining in on the conversation. So she runs off in a in a in a panic um and i think then she goes back to polly yeah who is now with another woman because polly's just one big slut um could you say she is polyamorous ah, ha, ha, ha. i would now <laughs> <laughs> um do you think that was the that was the idea. Lucky McKee was like, I'm so fucking clever. <laughs> probably not. But, I mean, if you told him now, he probably would say that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she goes there, and Polly's with another woman, and she's like, yeah, she, she just means, she's nothing to me. She's like, you want to come in and join us? And Maeve's just like, no, I don't want to fucking join you. Um, so she runs off. Uh, in a in a dramatic way again. Um, so she's at home, kind of you know, on the verge of a panic, and her cat comes up, and she um. That's Polly's couch that she took over. Yeah, I guess Polly gave her the cat. Yeah, when she was like, "Do you like pussy <laughs> cats? Do you like pussy cats?" Um, you know, in that Anna Ferris just slightly overacting way. Yeah. Um, so she gives, or she's trying to call the cat over, and she's like, come on, cat, I had a really rough day. His name is Lupe. And the cat's just like, no, fuck you, and walks away. Because he's a cat. Yeah. And she throws an ashtray, killing, throws an ashtray at the cat, killing, killing it in the process. Um. So what do you do when you accidentally kill your cat? You just keep it around. Yeah, you wrap it in plastic and you put it in the freezer. She didn't even do that until later, though. True. She tried spraying it with Lysol. Yeah. Which works in the short term, but it's just not going to happen. Um, so, May has actually started volunteering at this daycare for blind kids. And that was actually where she got the ashtray. Yeah, I guess one of the girls, one of the little girls that she had kind of made a connection with, I guess. Petey. Um, made it for her. So, she's at the daycare, and she brings Susie. Because she wants to share her best friend with all these children. Um, and, you know, naturally, the, like she was as a child, she they all want to take her out of the case. And she's like, no, you can't take her out. She's perfect as she is. And these kids just are not taking no for an answer. I mean, like, I, I kind of get it because it's like they're blind, so they don't even know what the doll looks like. Yeah. So all they can feel is a glass case. And it's like, if it's a doll, let us, you know, feel the face and let us try and determine what it looks like. But they turn into like. But they they go crazy. Yeah, they turn into like zombies. They turn into little monsters. And they smash the case, and then they're literally crawling across broken glass like fucking John McClane, just going, "I need to get to the doll." <laughs> <laughs> and you know they 
she's May is trying to fight through this crowd of children, trying to pick up the pieces of Susie, and so she's just getting covered in all these children's blood. <laughs> and she goes home, and you know she's in the elevator and runs into Lucky McKee making out with some girl. Yeah, with and some she, extra. Yeah, and she's just covered in blood. Um, so she's having one hell of a day. That's another um, thing where Lucky McKee just he probably just wrote that in so he could just make out with extras. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Uh, let's see what happens after that. Uh, she goes home, or she, she's out again the next day, and this weird little punk kid comes up to her, and apparently his name is Blank. Yeah, I didn't. I, I don't remember him introducing himself. Yeah, I don't think I ever point. said that in the movie. Um. They get some jujubes, as you do. Yeah, because this guy he could fucking live on jujubes. Jujubes are pretty bomb, though. I mean, they're all right. I love jujubes, even though they fucking break teeth. Um, like, it sounds like a racist term, but it's not. Sure. <laughs> um, it's one of those things where you hear it and you go, what is, it? is that? Oh, that, oh, that's candy. Oh, okay. Um, uh, so she's not really into him, but she's got really, she really likes his tattoo. So she brings him home. Of Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah. With that in mind. He, uh, he's like, oh man, it's so hot in here. You mind if I take my shirt take off? Take my shirt off. My mesh sleeveless tank top. Yeah. So he pops that off and they're just talking and he's like, man, it's still so hot in here. Do you have any ice? I got ice down my nipples. It's like, I'm starting to suspect this guy's like a, like a gigolo, but like a shitty one. Yeah. Like a, not so much a gigolo, but like a poor kid that's trying to make money off of sex. Oh, Yeah. Um, uh, so he goes to the freezer and she's like no stop and just as you know as she's saying that he's opening the freezer and of course sees the cat dead in the freezer and at this point you know we've dealt with some people in May's life that are not as weird as her but are into weird stuff Polly who's into the cutting um, and I always completely skipped over that yeah I mean, is it? I'll I'll talk about it later, I guess. Um, Paul, who's into cutting, and Adam, who's really into you know horror. He seems like a, a horror fan. Um, he does have he has like pictures of like dismemberment and stuff all over yeah. his bedroom walls. He looks like somebody who listens to like Slipknot, Slipknot, and Tool. <laughs> um, and uh, so when this kid opens the freezer and sees the dead cat. Like, I halfway expected him to be like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but he did not do that. He was quite upset. He's like, that's fucking sick. You're sick. I'm getting out of here. So he starts trying to get out, and May's just not having that. So well, first May's like, well, now that you you saw my secret, so we're best friends, right? Right. He's like, I want to be your fucking friend. So he's freaking out trying to find the nearest exit and she grabs a pair of shears and just stabs him through both of his hands into his head. Yeah, like sewing shears, not like garden shears. Yeah, yeah, like, like big silver grandma cutting shears. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he's dead. <laughs> um, and she... She's just looking at the body and then she's just like... I need more parts. Right. So she goes on a quest. 
Uh, I mean, this is when we're starting to, starting to kind of, you know, put all the pieces together, so to speak. Uh, oh, I see what you did there. Uh, you got it. Uh, throughout the movie, um, May has expressed, you know, um, interest interest, and, you know, given compliments on people's parts. Adam had really nice hands. And she always made a deal about, you know, how what nice hands he has. And um, Polly's Polly neck. had a nice neck. And Polly's new girlfriend, Ambrosia, uh, has really nice legs. Yes, or, she did. Or gams, because she's a 60-year-old man. Um, hey, nice gams, dollface. <laughs> Toots. Um... Polly and Ambrosia did call everybody doll, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's L.A., you know. People say things in L.A. <laughs> well, you, never met, you never met one of them? That's all they fucking talk about. <laughs> um, so she goes on a hunt, basically. I think she stops at Polly's first. And mm. so, okay, so we have this montage where she makes herself a Halloween costume. Um, and... You know, it gets to a point where she, you know, it's like this really aggressive montage of like this extreme costume making, um, where she's putting on white makeup and you know sewing aggressively on her machine. Sounds like a HGTV show. <laughs> um, extreme costume making, and we see that it, she basically just made herself into Susie. Like yeah. the the dress is the same, and she kind of made herself, you know, she painted herself white like a doll. Um, and she's carrying around this big, giant cooler. I've never even seen a cooler this big before. It's like a body-sized cooler. <laughs> um, so she goes uh, to Polly's, and Polly's there in her little robe, and um, she invites her in, and they're just kind of sitting there. Um, Paul, uh, May's sitting on the couch, and Polly's kind of sitting in front of her, um, and they're just kind of sitting there and Polly's flirting with her but she's like you know you're not offended by Ambrosia are you because she's she's like nothing she's just a piece of ass Um, and that's when okay so earlier in the movie um, May who had a really bad day with Adam I believe was taking a scoople (laughs) as the doctor calls them uh, and was stabbing her thumb uh, just kind of letting herself bleed. And that's when Polly comes in and is like, oh, what the hell are you doing? And that's when May sticks her with this with the scalpel and she kind of expresses interest. In she sees, she's like put off by it at first, like, what are you doing, you crazy bitch? She's like, oh, I kind of liked it. So she, now she's into cutting. Um, and so back at her apartment, May pulls out these two scalpels and puts them to her neck. Or to Polly's neck and she kind of jumps at first but she's like oh yeah and she's like I, I know you'd never hurt me May and May is just kind of caressing her neck and her face with these scalpels and then she actually cuts into her neck her throat with them um shortly after that is when Ambrosia shows up yeah and she's drunk off her ass um and she's like I need milk yeah that's what I want after a long night of drinking. Yeah. A big, tall glass big of milk. Jug of milk. Um, and 
So, uh, fuck. Okay, so May goes and approaches her, and she's like, oh, what the fuck are you doing? And, and we, don't, we don't actually see her kill Ambrosia, right? No, no. She, we do. She you stabs do? her in the head. No, 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 sorry, that's somebody else. No, we see that she drops the milk, and you just see the milk spilled out, and then you see blood like come into the milk. And it's a really cool looking effect. Yeah, like it's—I mean, it's super simple, but it's it the way that the blood and the milk combine, and it like kind of swirls and does like Tim Burtony kind of stuff. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's off into the night. This girl stops her and tells her what a cool costume she has, and. She sees her cooler. She's like, hey, you got any cold ones in there? She's like, as a matter of fact, I do. Yeah, all of a sudden, May is, like, super confident. Yeah. It's, very sure of herself. It's like night and day. Like I said at the beginning, you know, she was very quiet and mousy and, um, like, to an awkward amount because people would talk to her and she would just smile and not say anything. Yeah. kind of, And she would, like, put her head down, look, not look anybody in the eyes. Yeah. It was just... That's what a lot of this movie was. It was just like a lot of awkward silences. Yeah. Um, and which which drove me nuts <laughs> because I hate just silences, like just awkward air in conversations. Um, like I, I don't know if it's just my my nerves or if it's like doing the show for so long now or I feel like we have to constantly have somebody saying something. Yeah. Um, to where like if I'm watching a movie where there's a lot of like long awkward drawn out silences I get uncomfortable and maybe that's the point but like it's not so much an entertainment thing for me <laughs> it's more of an irritance yeah um, anyway but yeah like you said you know it's 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 like somebody flipped a switch in May's head because now she's super confident um, she's you know, very witty um and uh, even even her voice changes, mm-hmm. um, becomes very deep and you know she's stronger. She, yeah, like she's she before talked like the like almost like a little girl, uh, you know, kind of like you know it's a tiny little voice, you're very quiet. And now she's got this very strong, you know, full grown woman voice. Um, and so she goes off into the night, and she comes to Adam's house, and he's there. Dressed as Caesar, I guess. I guess, or some kind of uh, that era. Yeah, or some Roman look to it. Um, and uh, and his girl, her new girlfriend. I don't think we got a name for her, right? It's Hoop on Wikipedia. Okay, but again, I don't. I don't remember them ever saying that. Um, but there. Anybody who watches Grey's Anatomy might recognize her as Reed. Not me. She's his favorite show. Oh, yeah, my wife, too. So, that's why I know. Um, anyway, so she... Um, she's there, and for some reason, they're, it's Halloween night. They're drunk off their ass, and they're just sitting in his apartment. Yeah. In costume. <laughs> so, there's that. But she comes in, she's kinda, she, she lets herself in, basically, and um, sits down. And Adam's just like, what are you doing here, May? What do you want? Um, and I, I can't remember exactly the dialogue, but she's like... She kind of plays it off like she's like happy for them, but then she's like, I just want you to touch my face one more time because I love your hands. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and 
he's like, I'm not going to do that. But his girlfriend, who's just like belligerent, college girl drunk right now. White girl wasted. Yeah. She's been drinking white, white claws. claws. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, go ahead, Adam. Touch his, touch her face. Do it. And so he gets do up. Do it, pussy. He gets up to do it. Or she, Yeah, he, he gets up to do it. And um, May stands up. And as he's reaching out to touch her face, she grabs his hand and stabs Hoop, apparently, through the head with a scoople. And um, in the time it takes for Adam to react, because he's also really fucking trashed, um, she stabs him in the stomach. And so we kind of jump forward to May back in her apartment, um, unloading all these body parts. It looks like she's wrapped up in, like, butcher paper. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh, she's just frantically piecing these pieces, these body pieces together. Um, and, you know, she's not a surgeon, but she does work and she, she works in a veterinary clinic. And she actually talked about stitches or, you know, doing stitches earlier in the mo- movie. Uh, in this, she's just using like uh, you yarn know, to look like yarn. Yeah. There's also the scene where the guy, guy shows up with a dog and he's like, my dog lost his leg. I don't know where it is. Right. He's like, I went on vacation and my dog had four legs. It came back. He only has three. Yeah. How does that happen? I don't know. <laughs> and it's like... And then uh, a couple days later, he shows up with the leg. He's like, it was in the bushes. Yeah, can you sew it back on? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah I can. I can. can. It's like, I mean, no, you can't. <laughs> it's not your job. I mean, I mean, you can sew it back on, but it's not going to stay. It's not going to do anything. <laughs> um, might stabilize the dog a little bit, I guess. It'll look like a peg leg. <laughs> No, the thing's going to die. The dog's going to get an infection and die. Oh, well. It's not like it's going to magically reconnect all its, like, nerve endings and blood flow. Right. Um, anyway, so she's sewing all these pieces together and sewing... Um, it doesn't really tell you show you exactly what it's making it for or what she's making it first, but it looks like it's a some kind of dress or something. Yeah. Um, and also a mask that she just... Because she doesn't have a head. She just makes like this hood with eye holes and looks like she just stuffs it with fabric. Um, but she's created this monster um, of Polly's torso... Adam's arms and hands. No, Blank's arms. Sorry, yes. Blank's arms, Adam's Adam's hands, and Ambrosia's legs. Um, Again, no head. And she puts Susie's broken eyes where the eyes should go. Remember earlier when I told you to remember Frankenstein? Yeah. And she picks up the pieces of the ashtray that she'd broken, which had her name inscribed in it. And uh, she tries out a few names. Yam. Yep. Maya. Maya. And she arrives at Amy. Um, And so now this... Thing. Thing, this abomination, is now named Amy. And uh, she starts screaming at it to, you know, know, see her. Because she lays down next to it and she puts her head on the torso and realizes there's no heartbeat. Right. 
And yet then she realizes it doesn't have eyes. And that's the problem, of course. Naturally. <laughs> um, so she sits down at her vanity, picks up those same big fucking shears, and stabs out her eyeball. The lazy one. Um, actually, you know what? So, pull the curtain back. she was looking in a mirror? Is that why you thought it was the other one? I guess I was just turning around, yeah. This is the second time we had to record this review because the mic got unplugged somehow. Um, and I didn't realize that it was the lazy eye at first, but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm, I'm now, yeah, seeing that, yeah, it was her lazy eye that she stabs out and puts it on Amy's head thing. And she's just starts screaming. You know, she's bleeding out through her open eye socket, uh, just screaming, you know, see me, see me. She's just John Cena. You can't see me. You can't see me. <laughs> and so she just starts to kind of drift off. Uh, and starts, you know, she's, she's bleeding out and slowly starts dying. Um, and she kind of collapses next, collapses next to it on the bed. Um, and as she is dying, Amy's hand raises up and starts caressing Gently her. Gently strokes face. her face. So that's where it ends. Um, this was an odd movie, especially with that kind of weird twist at the end. Yeah. I wasn't really sure what to make of that. It's like, I remember the first time I saw this and I was just like, what the fuck just happened? Like all of a sudden this movie became supernatural for like three seconds. Yeah. But I think it's just like d- the delusions of a dying person. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of ambiguous. We don't really know one it's way true. or the other. Um, but, uh, yeah, very strange ending. Um, I mean, it's a strange movie altogether. It was, you know, this is our lady killer episode. And in both of these movies, neither of the characters really do any killing to almost the end of the movie. Um, which is weird when you yeah. think about, you know, movies with male killers, uh, you know, they're, they're killing from early on in the movie. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe it's just the way that the that females have to be presented is, you know, you know, having to suffer some kind of emotional trauma before it sets them off. I, I don't really know. Yeah. I know Lucky McKee is very um, feminist in his filmmaking. Um, and that really shows through on this one as well. Um but, I mean, I think the message that really shines through is don't fuck with crazy white bitches. <laughs> I mean, both these movies kind of have an undertone of, of bullying. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, and, you know, just the psychological damage that can come through, um, you know, over over long terms of a, a, you know, mental abuse, basically. Yeah. Um, so, this had, you know... We had this kind of uh, wave of LA area, LA area independent directors in like the last five to ten years ish. Um, can't really think of any names right now, but like uh, like Starry Eyes and um, mm. like Adam Wingard and Ty West and those guys, or yeah, yeah. Um, this seemed to kind of predate all that, um, but it definitely still had that same kind of feel. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, very independent. Mm-hmm. Does, did have a budget of uh, almost $2 million, though. Did it really? Yeah, like wow. 1.7. That's surprising. It, it, it didn't feel like that kind of movie. <coughs> no, it did not. It felt like a much smaller budget movie. Like, there's not a lot of, you know, effects or anything going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, like, the biggest effects are probably just the body parts. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh... I mean, the... Sisto needed that paycheck. <laughs> and that's the thing, is, like, the cast, I mean, most of them were f- at least semi-familiar known, faces. Yeah. Um, you know, Anna Ferris, I believe this was maybe right after Scary Movie. You said this was 2002? Yeah. Um, but then they also had you know Jeremy Sisto and Angela Bettis who was maybe not the scary movie was 2000 it was 2000 okay um, but you know still at this point Anna Ferris was a, was a familiar face yeah um, but yeah uh, the story was um, was fine uh and it was it was acted well. Nobody nobody felt like they were working too too hard. Yeah. Um, Anna Ferris, maybe. Yeah, that's just the way she is. It's, that's just the way she acts. She's just an oddball. Like she's yeah. just a weird chick. Um, and but I mean the story was fine. Like I said, uh, except for those awkward silences, it was just. Yeah, I mean it's it's slow at parts. But I mean, it's it's deliberate. It's not like it's you know the filmmaker couldn't think of anything to do, right? Uh, but yeah, it's a lot lot of exposition, a lot of character development to get to the the final scenes, right? Um, this isn't really my cup of tea. Just I don't. This this kind of I don't I don't really know even know how to define it. Just this style of of movie is not really my. It's all like a build up to one crescendo at the end. Yeah, I guess. Um, and I don't know th- this this indie feel that it puts off. That, that a lot of times that's not really my jam. Um, which I, I I don't know how to explain that accurately because I do like independent films. I don't know. Uh, whatever. Um. But yeah, other, other than that, it was fine. Um, I don't really have any big issues with it. Um, it's one of those things that, like, even if it's not your style, you can understand why people like it. Yeah. Because this did have a lot of buzz when it came out. Well, yeah, I mean... I mean, maybe not even when it came out, maybe a couple years later. But yeah, it didn't do that well when it, it came sh- out. It shit the bed at the box office. Um, but, uh, yeah, now, like, if you talk to, like, a lot of, like, hardcore horror fans, um, especially ones that are very... Um, uh, into female horror and you know they're very feminist uh, uh, like film critics uh, they love this movie um, that I don't really understand is how people just love this movie like it's like God gift, God's gift to man um, yeah like I can see enjoying it but like putting it in the upper echelon is that's too much I, I kind of feel like maybe just Lucky McKee has this cult following cult following and I don't get it I don't I've never really seen I've never been blown away by anything of his yeah um I'm, I mean I won't say he's a bad filmmaker because he's not it's just most of his work is just not really my my thing yeah um but yeah like you said I can acknowledge the the 
credit that's due. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say? Not really. I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. It's not really my style. I do prefer a more kind of consistent film that keeps the same like pace and tone and everything throughout. But I, I can't appreciate the, you know the character development and the the story building and the world building and everything. Maybe not world building in this case, but um, you know, and then to just to get to that one final act. Yeah. As long as you pay off that final act, because if if you do all this story building and that final act doesn't bring the goods. Mm-hmm then you're in trouble. But I, this movie does, in my opinion, bring the goods. It's, you know, um, it's very, <clears throat> the, the whole Frankenstein thing is pretty apparent throughout. Yeah. You could say it's a modern day Prometheus. <laughs> like the book. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I said, it's, it's, it is a very specific style of filmmaking, and if you're not into that style, then you may not like it. But if you are, then you probably will like it, and it may, I mean, maybe you'll love it because a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, talking about how it's very, uh, it's kind of a slow burn building up to to the end. I guess if May were to have just really started off like right away, being a psychopath um yeah and just killing people it wouldn't have really worked there wouldn't have really been a story I mean you wouldn't really empathize with her right to start with um and because that's the thing like the emotions in that very very final scene when she's laying in bed with Amy it's such a weird feeling to watch because you're like I kind of feel bad for her Mm -hmm. but at the same time she's such a fucking psycho yeah um, yeah, a lot of weird things going on. Um, but yeah, so I mean, in order to, to make her a sympathetic character, you have to. You had to have that backstory. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, all in all, pretty solid flick. Not really my style, as I've said, but I, I can't appreciate it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Dancing between a six and a seven. That's what I'm at too. And I'm thinking of other movies I've given a seven. I've been like, I've given movies that I really enjoyed a seven. Yeah. And I'm like, but like objectively. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to decide and discern. Because, you know, being a film reviewer, you have to include your own opinion to an extent. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, why would people even bother? Right. Um, That's, I mean, all movie reviews are basically someone's opinion. Yeah, I'll give it a seven. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm, I'm going to seven with an asterisk. Sure. <clears throat> All right, guys. So that's going to do it for uh, Week of the Lady Killer. Um, hope you enjoyed it. This is just an awkward episode because we're sitting here in a bedroom in somebody else's house recording. Yeah, with other people in the next room. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll probably be more on our game for the next episode, which is going to be our Halloween episode. Yeah. Uh, in which uh, we're going to be talking about Haunt and Candy Corn. Yeah, those are two brand new movies, independent movies too. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that should be cool. I'm uh, looking forward to both of those, actually. Um, so check us out next week 
on Wednesday. This I know this one came out late this week, but that's because we're on vacation, so fuck you. <laughs> um, but uh, in the meantime, Taylor, where can people find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com, as well as wherever you listen to your podcasts except Spotify. If you leave us a rating and review and then send us an email, let us know you did. We will send you some free swag. Um, I know I used to just say magnets. We'll send you more stuff. We, we don't care. We got just stuff. Whatever. Just take it. We got stuff just <laughs> piling up. Yeah. Like, just take our stuff, please. It's free. Take it. Yeah. Just give us a review. Like, that's all you have to do. You just go five stars. Boom. Done. Email. Hey, I did a thing. Yeah. And then, you know, it helps us out because we get more fans. Maybe. Probably not. Probably not. But at least... We'll be out there. I mean, maybe people will listen to like one episode and we'll get a download for that. So that's cool. Yeah, that's that's always neat. Yeah. I always like downloads. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube as Grave Plot Podcast, as well as on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. If you want to contribute to the show monetarily in exchange for exclusive content, head over to patreon.com slash Grave Plot Podcast. Yeah. And like Taylor said, YouTube, I just dropped a new episode of uh, Skeletonis Workshop of Horrors. Uh, wherein I make uh, the masks of Lock, Shock, and Barrel from Nightmare Before Christmas. And I, I show you how I did it. So, check that out. So, until next time, everyone, I am Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. <laughs>